If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle Broadcasting here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine. Today we've got a special shoot-around episode. In the first half, we're going to talk about a recent quote from Kobe Bryant asking us, do you actually like basketball? And I'll explain a little bit more. And then the second half, we'll jump into a uh, comment from LeBron James recently about female coaching and if he would feel comfortable playing for a female coach. But TJ, let's jump into the first part. Kobe Bryant had a quote the other day. He said, for people that call themselves basketball fans and say, well, I don't watch women's basketball, I would actually call you an entertainment fan because real basketball fans find the beauty in the game and there is beauty in the woman's sport. So all those people out there that say, I am a basketball fan, but they do not watch women's sports, Kobe Bryant says, I want to challenge that. I think you are more an entertainment fan then you really are a basketball fan. Hmm. I really like the fact that Kobe would come out and say that and and, and uh, support women's basketball like that. You know, I've coached both. I've coached um, college women and I've coached college men. And uh, I, and I'm not I'm not sure, 100 percent sure, but I, I believe John Wooden had a quote that says something like this: that um, if you want to see basketball in its purest form, watch the women's game. And uh, and I, I do believe there's a lot of truth to that. I think that uh, if you're a fan of, of basketball, you enjoy uh, watching both, and you take things from different levels. You take things from watching an NBA game, from a college men's game, a college women's game, a high school. You take different things. But if you really do love the game, you're going to be able to take multiple things from each level of the game and what happens. Uh, now, a lot of times people – become fans of NBA or, or college basketball because of the athletes and what they do and they fall in love with the dunk and all the other stuff and I think that's probably alluding to the entertainment part of it mm-hmm. as far as um, being, a, being a fan of that but to be honest with you I always thought it was um, you know pretty neat the fact like one of the interesting things like when the shot clock runs down there's eight seconds on the shot clock right you know most of the time in the guys game there's just one guy that can dribble around somebody jump over them and get their shot no matter what you do defensively i'm not gonna say it's a great shot or whatever you can get that in the in the women's game i felt like we needed to execute more there was more uh there was more basketball things that had to be done to be able to get that good shot we had good players that could create their own as well but mo- a lot of times it had to, to come through the team and and you know when a, i think when you see a really good men's team or a really good w- women's team that play as a team like i enjoy it equally um, for me, because it's just good basketball. It's what I love about the game. But if you love the other stuff about the game, the dunks and whatever, then that's where you'd have a less appreciation for this. But if you truly love the game, like if you really truly love the game, you can go to just about any level of basketball, any gender of basketball, and you can find something that you really enjoy. You, you should. Yeah. Yeah, you should. And, and what a powerful conviction, right, to all the basketball fans out there to really evaluate, is it the game you like or do you like the entertainment? Here's my thing, TJ. I, I think people, 
enjoy being in the loop more than they necessarily like basketball. And I'll explain. We, we have a country full of followers, right? When there's momentum and excitement around something, then people's interest gets peaked, yeah. right? I think there are basketball fans, but there's not enough attention and excitement and enthusiasm and attention around that the women's game enough to bring in all those followers. I say that because if you notice... You know, this past Final Four, which had an incredible couple seri- couple games in the, the women's Final Four. Amazing right? Final Four. A- amazing. I started seeing people talking about women's basketball more than ever before because it went viral, right? Yeah. It was what was trending. And then because it became trending, everybody wanted to talk about it, right? They talked about the Final Four shot, and then all of a sudden the ratings were significantly higher in the championship game. I think we live in a, a society where people want to be in the loop, right? And if there's attention and enthusiasm around something, then it draws people in. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think their love of basketball isn't great enough to go to the women's game without that attention, without that mass appeal that happens at times. That, that's my thing. I, I think we, we, it's a land of a society full of followers and until there can be a overall uh, increased level of excitement, enthusiasm around the women's game, I don't think the people are going to get there. Yeah. It will, you know, here's the thing. When you're watching the, the women's game, like, you, you have to appreciate something different. Just like if you're watching a high school game versus an NBA, there's different things you have to learn to appreciate. And, it, you know, here's one of my, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe pet peeves or something like that, is that, I really think that there's really special things about the women's game, and there's really special things about the men's game. What I struggle with sometimes is when um, they try and be like the other, when they don't need to be. Like, there's different gifts given to – so, for instance, i, I give you an example – um, I love watching just good basketball, particularly like the ball screen. I don't mind the ball screen. It's not a problem with it. We run ball screens. Whatever. But it becomes such a crutch. Like the NBA ran it, you know. And so then the you know college started running it. And it just trickles down to high. Everyone just kind of runs the same thing. Well, I felt like when, when I was coaching women, they had different gifts. Like I felt like I know this is kind of generic, but I did feel like for the most part, like they were a little bit more intelligent, a little less wired, a little less selfish. You know what I mean? So it was easier to promote ball movement and different things that would make for a good team basketball. And I hate it when when I go watch a team and they just become so dominant in the women's women's game ball screen because I felt like they had are, are minimizing other gifts that they have that the guys don't necessarily have. And then I feel like in the guys' game, oftentimes things eh, – I'm, I'm kind of picking on one particular area, but the ball screen, right? It can be just such a crutch. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to be really great at the game, but I think everyone's kind of dummied it down to, like, set a ball screen, let a player go make a play, and if this person's open, go run that play. Now, I, it, now it makes sense to me in the NBA because you have 24 seconds on the shot clock. You're trying to gain as an advantage as quickly as you possibly can. They're diverse players as far as what they can do it from a seven footer at two eighty to a you know a five eleven six two point guard that's shifty and quick you know so it, it may for there's a whole there's a lot more to that conversation that I'm not going to go into but it, it does make some more sense also the rules and how they can guard and all that kind of stuff but when everybody just copies everybody else I think they actually get away from what makes their game special and when I watch some of the best women's teams play. There are certain things I think make them special that men are have a harder time buying in and doing it, and then vice versa. When I see the men's game, there are certain things that they do well, and I've I appreciate both of those things equally. 
I think sometimes the standard of the fan is just like, well, this is what they appreciate. Like, if you love the NBA, then there's things you don't appreciate about college basketball, you know? You know, I you, you nailed it at the beginning there when you said, like, there's just different things you need to appreciate and different things you need to look for. You know, I, I love the passion of the women's game, right? There's something... It feels a little different. Not saying that the men's game isn't passionate, but there, there's a passion there that I really enjoy. I love. I, I think there's like a team chemistry and camaraderie that I really, really enjoy. I would, uh, I, I would challenge that for, from here. When it's good, it's good. Like when you're watching that Final Four, those are the teams you mm-hmm, watched, right? Mm-hmm. There was some great chemistry on those teams. There was some passion, some energy. You know, we talk about our friend Mike Neighbors. Like, I, I wouldn't watch his game at UGA with Arkansas, and they weren't that great this year, but they're going to be good, but he's just rebuilding their program. But even when they weren't good, you could tell there was something special about their program. You know, like, he, he was bringing some really good juice mm-hmm. to it. Those girls played hard for each other. But I, I had – in coaching men and so coaching what, so women – So what are you challenging? Well, I, I challenge, agree with that. I know, but here's, here's my challenge to that. If you were to watch the totality of the women's game and the totality of the men's game, I think you'd find pretty similar equal number – of dysfunctional teams. <laughs> That's fair. And teams that had great passion and care. Because w- when I coached it, but you have problems coaching men and you have problems coaching women. They're just different problems. And for the most part, my challenge comes from the fact that, I, that those final four teams, they look like chemistry and energy. But if you go over to the men's side, I would argue that Loyola Chicago and Villanova and all those teams look like they love and care and play for each other as well. Would you say, now, I don't want to get too far off topic, would you say a, a woman's team at their absolute best from a chemistry perspective would be closer knit than a male team at their absolute best from a chemistry perspective? I do. I, I think the, the, the women's game, I think from a relationship chemistry standpoint, when it's healthy yeah. and when it's clicking, they have the ability to get deeper with one another than even the best of a male team. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh, there, may, there might be some truth a little to personality. That. I think they're yeah. maybe willing to open up and, and be closer knit and, and do life together at a deeper level. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the opposite of that, man. I mean, you see a dysfunctional girls team. Oh, that, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that's I, you bad. know, like they they can hold some serious <laughs> grudges, and you know what I mean. Like there's some there's some things when when guys get dysfunctional, they just don't deal with each other. You know what I mean? It's like whatever, and so I, I think probably both extremes may be true. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Well, you know, I just it, it's an interesting quote, and I'm, and you know, like you said earlier, I'm glad Kobe went to bat. You know, it makes sense, right? He's he's got three girls at home, right? He he takes his girls to the WNBA games all the time. He's a big fan of of women's basketball, and and Kobe. Kobe strikes me as someone who is a fan of basketball. Oh, yeah. He loves basketball. And obviously, you know, living and dying as a career. But some people have played it but don't necessarily always loved it the whole time. I feel like Kobe loves basketball. And I think he loves good basketball. You know what I mean? Like when you go watch a UConn women's team, you love good basketball. I I can tell you the women's coaches in the state of Georgia, I love watching their teams play. I don't love watching them all play. I'll be real honest with you. But go up to Gene Durden's team at Buford High School here in Georgia, oh, my gosh, I love watching them play, how hard they play, and you know how together they play and the way they, they play the game. So I think it's really good. I, let's let's uh, go ahead and jump into part two. But before we do, let's just take a halftime and get our communication tip of the day from our friends over at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, this week I want to encourage you to challenge your players to look for the right voice. 
What I mean by that is oftentimes there's voices in our head, things that we're saying to ourselves and things that we're hearing. But if you try hard enough and listen to the right voice, that voice can tell you that there's more inside of you than you ever thought imagined. Find that voice and use that voice to help take you and your game to another level. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe and helping bring everyone and get everyone all on the same page. All right, TJ, I, I think going back to the first half real quick, we may have to do another um, a piggyback episode from way back in the day. Uh, we won't do it now, but way back in the day when we had that is UConn good for women's basketball. And now that UConn for two years in a row has been uprooted, I told you. And if we yeah, let's go back. I want to actually go back and I, listen to our stances. Yeah, well, my I mean, obviously I was right in hindsight, right? And I <laughs> and I said they were going down. Somebody was going to dethrone them a little bit. In the last two years, they've they've been dethroned. Which brings up another topic that we could go down sometime. I read an article recently. Like, is their conference the reason? Is it not tough enough? Mm. You know, which is uh, which is an interesting thing. A, a sidebar, but. We'll We'll move on from that. All right, well, let's jump into a recent quote from LeBron James, who was asked about women coaches, and he said, uh, the question was, how would you feel playing for a woman's coach? And uh, his quote was interesting. He said, I mean, if she knows what she's doing, we'll love it. He said, we, we will love it. Okay, so then at that point, he's referring to not just himself, but the NBA fraternity and the folks that he knows and the people he's around in the NBA circle. We will love it. It's not about male or female. It's about knowing the game. If you know the game, then you're good. So I read that, and I first thought is, one, I hope and want to believe that. Okay? I, I do. I want to believe that he's saying that and he means it and, and that it would actually come out and be truthful. I'm afraid, and just using LeBron as an example, and I want to ask you is, is knowing basketball enough, right? Because that's kind of what he's implying, just knowing the game. Is that enough? And I think it's interesting. You know, I think just three years ago, he was being coached by David Blatt, right? He, he signed on with Cleveland. They had hired David Blatt um, two months before LeBron made his decision. And there was obvious tension there. You know, David Blatt wasn't handling LeBron the correct way, whatever the correct way is. And one could argue, though, that, and I just listened to a David Griffin podcast um, about David Blatt, and he said David Blatt knows basketball more than almost anyone he'd ever met. Like, with all his European success, like, this guy knows basketball. Is knowing basketball enough, whether it's a male or female coach, or is that enough? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, you know, I'll tell you this, when I... You know, I coach at the Division Two level, and we have limited resources for like assistants, and I have a full-time assistant, and a little part-time, but don't have a full staff. And um, but if I ever did take a Division One job, and you had a full staff of people, right? I would hire a woman. I really would as an assistant coach. Here, here's the reason why. I think they would just bring. I mean, I want to be as well versed on my coaching staff as I can. Right now, I wouldn't hire any woman because I want to make sure she's good enough at all that stuff. Right. But I have a short list of about five or seven people that if, if I did, I would go to one of them and say, please come work on my staff. And here's, and here's what I think they would offer. I think they, I mean, first of all, I think it would be, they would teach so many good life lessons just by being there to young men. You know, that just, just being present in general. I Don't you think they would behave differently, think differently, act differently? That would be good. And then I think by the time you, but you know, after, it, it probably wouldn't be initial. Like I do think it would be harder for a woman to step in there and get initial credibility. Just because it's the way men can be, right? 
But I also believe that this is true. Once they were around those people long enough and they had credibility of knowing the game, they would build that relationship. And I think they would be as trustworthy and as influential, if not more influential, than a male could possibly be mm. in a lot of those situations. But I do think they'd have to work harder to gain that credibility when they first got there. You know, like, uh, you know, Jenny Busek is um, Seattle Storm. She's with Sacramento Kings now, mm. working uh, with the NBA team there. And, like, I've known Jenny forever, and it doesn't matter. She could coach any level, anywhere, guys, girls, whatever. She can relate to people. She can get the best out of them. She works. She's unbelievably knowledgeable about the game. Like, I've been around plenty of women like that. Like, I wouldn't hesitate, you know, to have in that particular situation. Uh, but I do think it would take them a little more time to, to build those relationships. I don't think a guy – a guy like is more likely just to trust another guy right off the rip, think, oh, okay, you know, before. So, But once they got that credibility, I think they'd be good to go. Interesting. Yeah. I, first off, I, I'm, I, I tend to agree about building out a staff and having that diversified – element of having a woman on staff I think would be incredible I I just you know to LeBron James speaking kind of on behalf um, unofficially of his NBA fraternity I'd be very intrigued by this I I really would to see if the egos of these men in the NBA um, if they would be able to handle the authority uh, being laid out by a female head coach you know here's here's the flip side of it you know with all of these former players that were great players, very few of them turned out to be very good coaches. If you think, of, I mean, if you think about all the ten, like Magic didn't have a great run as a coach. Larry Bird didn't have a great run as a coach. Isaiah, Jason Kidd struggled. Isaiah Thomas didn't do well as a coach. Like, I think that there's some different things that play into that. Then you, you know, on the flip side of that, you can look at some guys. I mean, Phil Jackson had an average career, you know, as far as um, what's the guy. Um, and a lot of mediocre was a, a good role player that, you know, kind of fit into it. Um, you look at Brad Stevens, who didn't even play in the NBA, right? Did he? I don't think he did, right? No, he didn't play in the NBA. Nope. He played college ball. Maybe, probably did, but... Probably low level, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and then you look at the guy that was a manager um, that was with the, the Nets for a long time. Um, gosh, what's his name? Been, been around different jobs. Thibodeau, I've never heard of Thibodeau playing in the league, <laughs> right? right? Sure he did, but there's a lot of guys. I mean, you look uh Popovich, right? I mean, he's a D3, he says, he was just at the Final Four recently, yeah. said, hey, look, I'm, I'm a D3, I'm a D3 guy disguised as an NBA coach. And so it, it, I think the same thing, that stigma, like people think automatically if Jordan takes a job, he's going to coach and he's going to do well. And that hasn't been the case. And, and that's one thing that I, I will say is going in LeBron's favor with that comment because I do agree with that. I, I do think there's a paradigm shift happening in coaching, right, that – you know what you once saw as the prototypical successful coach, or what should be, because they check all the boxes on paper. I think players are recognizing that those don't always play out to be the successful coaches, yeah. and they're starting. And you're seeing that not from a female perspective per se, but you're seeing a, a shift in the age, right? You know, just let's use football for example. Sean McVay, right, came from Washington Redskins, goes out to LA. He's 32 years old, becomes like the hottest coaching commodity out in the NFL, right? He turns the Rams around. He's got this energy and this enthusiasm in the program where everyone's buying in. You know, you look 10, 15 years ago, the thought of a 32 year old head coach or a 30 year old head coach would be like, are you serious? Like that? Like players aren't going to respond to that. These are grown men we're talking about. But yet, look where things are, right? So I, I do think 
players more than ever are more open-minded to coaching styles that they haven't seen before. I think they all are and, – and you know what else? It it's also falls under that desire to be a differentiator that so many people also have, right? Like a lot of young people, they want to do things a little different. You know, I, I think – you know, like I said in the beginning, I hope LeBron was you know, telling the truth on that. But I could see if a female got moved up to the head coaching position that the team, as they desire to like – you know, are willing to think outside the box, right? Because that's kind of what this younger generation's mindset is, right? Thinking outside the box and disrupting the, the norms that we've always been accustomed to. Yeah. I could see them rallying behind this new yeah. trend of like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course we got a women's coach, you know, and she's yeah. the best out there, best to ever do it, you know? Like, and then all of a sudden there's these slogans associated with it and momentum behind it and all this energy and this new life. I could totally see it happening. Um, I hope it happens sooner than later, you know? And I, I think it's going to be interesting. And then if it's successful, oh, man, the yeah. gates have been open. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, mean I, I think that's true of anything, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's gender, whatever it is. is you, know, you, you always want just the best person to, to get the job. But I, I can tell you, at all levels of basketball and sports, and I think it's probably true of work, people get into their stereotypes, like this is the type of person that needs this job. This is the type of person that you know it would be successful in this job, and you can always show them the opposite of that. I mean, I give you it's the, safer. Yeah, it's safer. It's like safer, I hear that all the time. Right? I mean, like people are like, well, you know, I, I don't know if I'd hire this guy because he doesn't have D one experience. He didn't. John Beeline, NAIA coach. Da, 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 you know what I mean? Like moved on. You, there's there's so many examples like that. Well, I don't know if I'd hire Brad Stevens. You know his demeanor. It's, he's more of a small college guy than he is. Then he goes to Celtics and he's people say he's the best in the <laughs> right, league. Right. You know what I mean? Like those stereotypes, and they're meant to be broken, right? And uh, and hopefully this For, one will be broken. First off, in the, too. In the pro ranks, screw safety. Is anybody safe with anything these yeah. days, right? Like, I mean, your job security is at a minimum, regardless if you get the safest pick. But you might as well go out swinging. You, let me Try tell you. Why, let me tell you why they won't Give do it. Give a shot. The GM won't do it because if he hires prototypical. 50-year-old white male that did this, da, 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 and he doesn't work out. It's like, oh, he didn't work out, right? And he tells the president, well, we thought he was going to be good, da, da, da. Then he hires a female. She goes in there and doesn't do it, and, and, the, pre and the owner's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Is this some kind of stunt? You're out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so that's, it, take, it would take some guts from somebody to, to, to pull that trigger. Who'd be the NBA GM right now that would do that? Do you know? Would hire like that? Yeah. A real, really, I mean, I honestly, mean, I, like Popovich. I was, I was gonna say RC Buford in San Antonio, like, yeah, picking a successor to Popovich. Pop, yeah, somebody. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I would, that'd probably be the first one yeah. I would. Interesting. Anyways, two good, two good uh, questions here in the shoot around today. Appreciate you listening. I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.